This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, my radio friend. How in the world are you? I'm so grateful for these opportunities to share from God's inerrant, infallible, eternal word, the Bible. It brings us together across the miles. The miles drop away and we're together with God's word. I love that, don't you? I've been praying that God might give you something that you could get hold of for yourself. We were talking the last time we got together about this matter of comfort as you have the text in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, comfort yourselves together. And that's really our word, encourage. How do you comfort? How do you encourage? You remember I gave you a little rundown of some ideas that are helpful along that line? Be there, your presence. Your loving, compassionate presence is important. Listen, don't talk. Love, don't preach. Encourage by positive reinforcement. If you're going to make any suggestions, do it by indirection. Oh, by the way, what would you think of this? You see, people, and that's you and I and everybody else now, remember, we're in this together. People resist any suggestion of change. Number one, because if you're suggesting that they change in whatever way, there's a subtle loss of face involved. It's an admission that things aren't as good as they ought to be or that they ought to be different. So you have to help them over that hurdle. It's a human nature hurdle that you and I may help them with if we simply do our suggesting more or less by indirection. What would you think of this? Oh, by the way, how about this? Or have you ever thought of doing it this way? All right? And then, before I leave this word comfort, I want to urge us all to continue helpful contact with people. I learned from Dr. Clyde Naramore that it's the second question that proves whether or not you're interested. And he used the illustration, you meet someone in the hallway and you say, hello, Susie, how are you? She says, not so good. You say, oh, I'm sorry, and you pass on. Does that prove that you care? Not at all. But if you turn on your heel and you look at her and say, oh, I'm sorry, what seems to be the trouble? Then she has an opportunity, said Dr. Naramore, to tell you that her mother fell down the cellar stairs and, and broke her hip, and she's in the hospital, and she's and, and this, Susie is so afraid that her mother is not going to make it, and she's just upset so much, and you have a chance then to comfort her and to encourage her and maybe to have prayer with her and maybe to go see her mother in the hospital and prove that you care. It's the second question, said Dr. Naramore, that proves whether or not you care follow through. And then he says, it's the second thank you that proves whether or not you're grateful. And Dr. Naramore used the illustration of, of a, uh, a gift at Christmas that someone has given you a wearing blender. And you write the usual thank you note, dear Fred, thank you very much for your Christmas gift. I'm sure we'll enjoy it very much. Sincerely, Joe Dokes. However, a July evening comes, and it's sweltering hot, and you think to yourself, I'm going to make some lemonade. And then you think, well, how about Fred? He isn't that far away. Maybe he'd enjoy. And so uh, 
You call up and you say, hey, Fred, what are you doing? Oh, he says, I'm home alone. My wife is out to a meeting and it's hot and I'm, I'm fed up. Well, you say to him, you know, we just enjoy so much that that blurring, that wearing blender that you that you gave us at Christmas. And I'm going to make some, some lemonade. You want to come on over for a glass of ice cold lemonade? Oh, he says, yeah, boy. And he's there before you can... You can uh, turn around, you know, he gets going right away. And so you put some ice and some lemon and some sugar and some water and you mix it up there in that blender and it comes out sparkling cold and refreshing. And then you say to him as you hand him his glass of lemonade, you know, Fred, I'm so grateful for that present that you gave us at Christmas. We've had such good use of it and and I'm really grateful. Now he knows that you're thankful, said Dr. Naramore. Yeah? It's the second question that proves whether or not you care. It's the second thank you that proves whether or not you're grateful. And it's the second contact, and the third, and the fourth, and the twelfth, and the hundredth. It's the second contact that proves that you are interested in comforting and encouraging your Christian brothers and sisters. It's something to think about there for you, beloved, if you want to work on it. I was brought up by uh, a father who, although he never went even as far as high school, was self-educated and quite an astute psychologist, as he proved from time to time. And he would uh, he would be talking with me concerning something that I that I thought I couldn't do, and he would look at me and and clap his his work hardened hands together and say, "I'm betting on you, my boy. You can do it." I remember the first time he used that phrase was when I was, I suppose, well, I wasn't quite seven, and he had the idea that I ought to take violin lessons, and so he had gotten me in touch with the, a teacher at the Cleveland School of Music. I remember his name so clearly, and he, uh, I have a, a visual uh, photograph of him in my memory. J. Garfield Chapman was his name. He always smelled of cigar smoke and cologne and was a, an excellent violinist in his own right and a fine teacher. And so he started me with J. Garfield Chapman, two lessons a week, and I had to practice two hours a day. And the first thing I had to learn was how to hold the violin you don't hold the violin up with the heel of your left hand. That's lazy position. You hold the violin with your chin and your shoulder. That's why there's a chin rest there. And I had also a, what they call a shoulder pad underneath the instrument. And I had to learn to hold that violin with, my, uh, with, with pressure from my shoulder and my chin. And then I had to hold my left elbow so that it was under the instrument so that the fingers of my left hand would come down perpendicularly on the strings. The end of the finger then would press on the string instead of the soft pad of the finger if I held it in lazy fashion. And I got so tired and my arm would hurt and I would say, Pop, I can't do it. <laughs> and then he would say, I'm betting on you, my boy. I know you can do it, you know, and I'd feel encouraged. <laughs> Oh, listen, try this matter of encouraging people, will you? 
your expression of confidence in someone who is trying hard to achieve may be just the thing that's needed to get them over the top. Conversely, an ill-timed criticism may be just the thing that discourages. My own heart has been hurt uh, from time to time by hearing from people who knew me so well, saying, you don't really believe in me. What had caused that? An ill-timed criticism. I got a quick tongue that I inherited from my mother. I'm sure my father told me that she prayed every day, Lord, set a watch before the door of my lips, keep the door of my heart. And sometimes I've spoken, you may be sure, quickly and thus ill-advisedly. Listen, a well-placed encouragement when somebody is trying to make it may be just the thing that will help get them over the top. Would you remember that? Encourage. Be there. Listen. Don't talk. Love. Don't preach. Encourage by positive reinforcement. Suggest things by indirection and a continual helpful contact. Don't forget. It's the second contact and the 32nd and the 102nd contact that really counts. So he says, encourage one another, comfort one another. Now he says, comfort yourselves together. And that means that uh, there is a positive result in getting together with Christians. People say, why do I have to go to church? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And the truth is, no, of course you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You go to church because you are a Christian and you seek the fellowship of others. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day, that's the end of the age, approaching. We need more fellowship with Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians. We need more fellowship with that kind of believers rather than less as the time goes by. So if you want to be encouraged, get together with people who love the Lord. You seek to encourage them, they also will seek to encourage you. Good idea? Encourage one another. Now, he uses the word edify. We won't finish talking about that before time runs out, but we can start. Edify, Greek word oikodomeo, build a house. Build, build up, edify. And there is a, a, an, another meaning that is given to that, that uh, verb, embolden. It's interesting. I'll talk about it after a while. Edify means build up. Seek to build the other person up. Now, that has to start with your attitude. Uh, Look not every man on his own things only, says Paul in Philippians 2, but every man also on the things of others. Let nothing be done through strife, I have to win the argument, or vainglory, I have to look good, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Esteem means consider your, your mindset, your, the, the, your whole attitude is involved there, lowliness of mind. You have to realize that every person you ever meet is going to be better at something than you are. I often say just for a chuckle, even if he's a dope, he's a better dope than you are. 
But for, for real, every person you ever meet is better than you are. If you're out in the wilds of Australia and you're lost and you come across one of the little uh, Aborigines uh, uh, people, uh, he knows every blade of grass and every twig and every footprint in that whole vast area and you trust him to lead you out to civilization. He was better at it. He couldn't give you the derivation of a Greek word. He couldn't uh, quote you any Latin. He couldn't tell you what the world political situation is. He couldn't even drive a car. He couldn't write his name, but he could save your life. <laughs> it's something, isn't it? So always remember that every person you meet is better at something than you are, and you have to look up to them and, and consider them. It says, in lowliness of mind, consider the other person better than yourself. So this matter of building people up has to start with your mental attitude. Don't look on your own things only, but every man also on the concerns of others. So we start with the idea of being concerned about the other person rather than yourself. That's where you start if you're going to uh, build anybody up. How we get at the rest of this the next time we get together. It's been nice to be with you. Dear Father, today, oh, may we care about other people, care enough to get with them, and care enough to help build them up. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.